Welcome to All In Week 2. Now, I think a lot of you know that before I became a pastor, I was a Lutheran school teacher. And early in my years as a Lutheran school teacher, I also played a lot of softball um, on a couple of different teams, including our own church, church league softball team. And it was on that church league team one Saturday afternoon in this tournament we were in. I was on first base, and uh, one of my other teammates got a hit, and I was going first to third. And as I slid into third, I felt my hand on the third base bag just a little bit before I felt the tag on my shoulder, and I knew for sure I was safe. But in the next moment, I heard the umpire call me out. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I jumped up, and I kind of got in the umpire's face a little bit, and I said, what are you talking about? Only I may have used some stronger language than that. Now, since this was a church league softball team, when I used that language, immediately the ump threw me out of the game. It was pretty embarrassing. Now, fast forward to Monday morning, we're in the teacher's lounge before school starts, and uh, one of my fellow faculty members who also played softball on the team with me, he and I were kind of joking around about what had happened to me that Saturday, and our principal overheard. And, uh, and he came over and said, so, so what happened? He asked me to tell him the story. So I told it to him pretty much the way I just told it to you. And he, and he got this serious look on his face. I, I thought he'd laugh, but he didn't. He, he got this serious look on his face and he kind of frowned and he looked at me and said, you just can't do that. I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. This wasn't Mark the Lutheran school teacher. This was Mark the softball player. You know, I wasn't on the clock. And he goes, no, no, you don't understand. He said, being a Lutheran school teacher isn't something you just do some of your life. It's who you are. It's a 24-hour day, seven day a week thing. It's who you are. You can't just walk away from that. So what if, what if some of the parents of your kids had been in the stands that day, or, or what if one of the kids from your classroom had seen you? What kind of example would that have been? And I realized he was right. I couldn't just take some of my life to be a Lutheran school teacher. It was all of me. I had to be all in. Now, last week, Tony did a great job of starting us off in this series. See, we're basing this series on Romans 12.1. Let me read it to you one more time. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, of, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, Tony did a good job of reminding us what therefore is there for. I, I love that line. When, when Paul says, therefore, he's talking about the first 11 chapters of his letter that he wrote to this church in Rome. He's talking about all the things he had taught them about God, how God had created them, and how God didn't just create them, but he created them as the kind of the crowning achievement of his creation to be in a relationship with him. And how when we as human beings turned away from that relationship, God didn't just destroy us or punish us, but instead offered us this righteousness that comes by faith. How he sent his son Jesus into this world, and if there was ever anyone who was all in, it was Jesus, wasn't it? He left the glories of heaven and came to this earth, and, and he lived on this earth 24-7. And, and then he gave his life for you and for me on the cross. And it's in response to that incredible, self-sacrificial giving of our God that now, Paul says, our job is to be all in. 
our job is to become living sacrifices to our God. Now, I, I love the logo that we're using for this series, this blue bin. And, and, and if you're not quite familiar where that came from, if you go to Goodwill to make any donations, like some used clothing that you have or things like that, what they do is they wheel out a big blue bin, just like these ones we're using. And, and you put the stuff in there. You put what you're donating in there. Well, imagine someday at a Goodwill that the guy wheeled out the blue bin, the car pulled up, the guy got out, and some guy just dove into the blue bin and said, here, take all of me. I, I don't have any stuff to give you. I'm just giving you myself be crazy. That's exactly what Paul is telling us. Our response to God's love should be, therefore, in view of God's mercies, we're all in. Now, to give you an example of that, this week we're going to look at a specific aspect of being all in, and that's, are we all in with our time? You see, I think a lot of Christians uh, think of being a Christian as something that you do some of your life. You know, you punch in on Sunday morning and you go be a Christian, you, you sing the songs, you, you put on your best clothes, you, you, you use the language, and then you punch out at the end and go back to living your everyday life like everybody else. But that's not what being a living sacrifice is all about. That's not what being all in is all about. And there's the story in Luke chapter 5 that really illustrates that well. Now, let me set the scene for you a little bit. Jesus has been teaching in and around the Sea of Galilee. And on one particular day, there's a huge crowd that's gathered to hear him teach. And he's kind of got his back to the shore. And as the crowd builds, he's getting pushed further and further up against that shore. And, and, and he can't really even see the whole crowd from his vantage point there. And so he turns and he looks and he sees James and John. They were relatives of his. And Peter... They were partners in a, in a fishing business, and they've got a boat there. And so Jesus asks if they can let him get into the boat and push away from the shore a little ways so that he can now teach to the crowds without them pressing in upon him, and, and he can see the crowds there. And so that's what they do. Now, Luke also tells us that there's a subtext going on here. See, the reason they're there that morning is they've been fishing all night. And that means that they were really desperate for a catch, but they had caught nothing. Now, we don't know exactly why they were desperate for that catch, whether the taxes were due and they didn't have the money to pay it, so they were hoping that, that they could get a big catch that night, or, or maybe they were just simply hungry. They had gone a few days without a good catch, and so th they'd been slogging away all night desperately trying to find some fish and found nothing. So Jesus gets done teaching, and he turns to them and he tells them to do something which to a fisherman would have made no sense at all. He says, put out in the deep water, which is not where they fished, by the way, and do some fishing now in the middle of the day when they also didn't go fishing. See, if, 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 you, didn't, if you didn't want to catch, if you wanted to just fish middle of the day in the middle of the lake, that was a good idea because you weren't going to catch anything out there. But if you wanted to catch, well, you did what they had been trying to do all night unsuccessfully. Now, maybe it was because they were desperate. Maybe it was because they were so moved by Jesus' teaching. Maybe they just didn't have anything better to do. But for whatever reason, they're like, okay, doesn't make sense. But we'll row out a little further and we'll throw down the nets. And when they did... They saw another example of a God 
who just gives generously to us. Their nets were full to, to the point of breaking, maybe the greatest catch they had ever had in their lives. And they get into the shore and listen to what it says they did. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They were all in. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, we would love to follow you, and we'll be glad to do that every morning when we get done fishing. Or they didn't say, Jesus, we'd love to follow you. How about an hour on Sunday morning? Or even, Jesus, we'd love to follow you, but give us a couple of years first to, to make enough money to keep our families. They just left everything and spent the next three years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with Jesus. Now, there's a former investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune named Lee Strobel, and he tells the story of how when he first became a believer, his wife had become a believer, and he had decided he was going to use his investigative journalism skills to prove to his wife that she was chasing after foolishness, and instead found out that the biblical account is actually pretty well supported with evidence. He, he became a follower of Jesus. He, he, he gathered some of his co-workers together there in the office around the water cooler, because they all knew he was a pretty big skeptic, and he said, I just want to let you guys know I've changed my mind. I've become a Christian. Now, later that day, um, I, I, another one of his coworkers came over and kind of quietly said, hey, Lee, I think it's awesome that you're a Christian. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Christian too. Well, he said, no, I, I didn't know that. And he said he started thinking, if, is that what Christianity is all about, that you can be a Christian and and, and yet no one would even know it? Your life isn't any different? See, that's not what being a Christian is all about. And, and so here's my question for you today. Actually, I've, I've got four questions for you as we ponder this story and this message, this message from Paul in Romans chapter 12. Here's the first question. In view of what God has done for you, are you all in? Now, I want to stop right there for a moment. If you feel any sense of compulsion by what I just said, if you feel guilt, if you, if you feel like I'm trying to twist your arm, if you feel like I'm trying to convince you to do something that you don't want to do, then let's just stop right here and go back to last week and let's try to remember what the therefore is there for. Go read Romans 1 to 11 and ponder again the amazing things that God has done for you. Read through the Gospels and, and fall in love with Jesus all over again and see how he gave himself fully and completely so that you could have a relationship with your God, so that you could live forever. See, because we talked about this a little last week, I, I'm convinced that when you do those things, you won't feel any kind of compulsion to be all in or any kind of being guilted into it. It'll just be the logical thing to do. It'll be the response you want to give to God that has given everything for you. So if you're all in, here's the second question. Does the way you use your time right now support that? Pull out your calendar and your computer or your day timer if you keep a calendar the old-fashioned way with a pen and paper. Take a look at how you spend your time every week. Does it reflect the fact that you're a Christian? Does it show that you are all in in response to God's love for you. 
And here's the third question then. After you've pondered that, consider this. Is God asking you right now for more, more of your time, to take a next step in being all in? Now, this falls a great opportunity for that. If you've never been in a small group before, give up another hour and a half a week and, and de- get in a small group for our fall campaign, uh, this being challenge that we're going to be doing together. Or, or maybe you're already in a small group, but you guys meet every other week. Maybe now's the time for you to step it up a little bit and meet weekly during this series this fall. Or, or maybe you're already in a group that's meeting weekly. Maybe God's calling you to step into a more of a leadership role. That takes some time outside of group time as well. And you're going to have to probably rearrange some other things in your life if you're going to make that happen. But that's what we do when we're all in. Or maybe it's 15 minutes a day in God's word and prayer. Whatever it is, is God calling you right now Therefore, in view of his mercies, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, to be all in by giving him just a little more time every week. Maybe it's volunteering on a Sunday morning, uh, helping out with ushering or with the communion team or in Kid Street, whatever it is, is God challenge you to take a next step of being all in for him. And finally, Think about you, how you live every minute of every day. Is the way you're living reflecting that you're all in to follow Jesus, that you're a Christian? Is it the language that you use or the way you show care to others? Is it how you respond with hope in the midst of struggle? Do you have more opportunities every day to reflect who you are to the world around you. You know, there's a story that's told about when um, Christianity first came to northern Scotland, to the Highlanders, and how um, one of the missionaries noticed that many of the Highlanders, when they were being baptized, their whole bodies were getting dunked into the water, except they were holding their right hand up out of the water. And, And finally, the missionary asked a group of the men that he had seen do this, why they did that, why when they were baptized, they held their right hand out of the water. And they said, basically, well, it's fine for me to be a Christian, but my sword hand, that better not be a Christian. I I need my sword hand to do some things that a Christian wouldn't do. They weren't all in. Where are you holding back? When you look at how you live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, are there areas of your life where you're holding back, where you're not all in? You know, I just want to wrap up the message this week by telling you that over the years, Betty and I have had some kind of all-in moments. First one came when when we were deciding whether I was going to leave the teaching ministry and go to seminary to be a pastor. And, And you see, all of our family and friends were right here in northern Illinois. And we knew that if we went to seminary, we could literally get sent anywhere in the country. And we had to decide, are we really all in? Are we willing to give up living around our family and friends? because we believe God's calling us. Or when I was a pastor in Park Ridge, Illinois, and I got called to be a pastor out at a small mission church in Elgin, and, and we had decided we were going to take that call. I was going to go be their pastor, and I hadn't really told anybody of that decision yet when I got a phone call from another pastor out in that same area, and he said, I heard that you're thinking about uh, coming out here to be a pastor, but I just want to let you know I don't think that church can pay you. 
it's a pretty small church and, and they've had financial difficulties and whatever salary they've told you, I, I, I don't know if they can, they can meet that salary. I called Betty and told her about that call and God bless my wife. She just immediately said, well, we either trust God or we don't. Or I remember when we were considering the call here to Trinity and uh, we had already decided again, we were going to take that call. And this time it was Betty that called me and she said, I don't know if you've thought of something. There's going to be a lot of White Sox fans there. Now, I, I tell you about these moments, not because I'm trying to call any attention to Betty and I. We were just responding to God's love and grace. We were just doing what the Holy Spirit uh, called us to do and empowered us to do. And in fact, I want to make sure you understand that in every one of those cases, it was God that proved faithful, not us. For example, when we went to seminary, we found out after we'd been there about six months that because of the kind of program I was in, we weren't going to get sent anywhere in the country. We were guaranteed we were going to come back here to northern Illinois where our family and friends were. And in fact, my first call was about to a church about 10 minutes away from the church I used to teach in, right near our family and friends. Or that call where I had found out that the congregation might not be able to afford to pay my salary. After we accepted, I got a call from the mission board here in the Northern Illinois district, and they said, don't worry about your salary. We're going to make sure that you get paid so you have a chance to do what God is calling you to do there. Or coming here to Trinity, you know, worried about all those White Sox fans. We, we came to find out that not only were there a lot of White Sox fans, there were a lot of Green Bay Packer fans too. All right, maybe that last one isn't God's provision, it's more God's sense of humor. But seriously, I can tell you this. Every time in my life when I've been tempted to hold back, God has proved faithful. And I know he will for you as well. God is calling you to be all in. What next step can you take to live out that plan for your life? And how is God going to show up in amazing ways. I pray that God blesses you as you ponder that this week. Amen.